0: Welcome back to another episode of Like Dragon, Like Sun. My name is Jack Otway, And I am Jay. Jay or just a, a, a different J. Regardless, we've had a lot of talk about how we, we should intro this. And for all the the newcomers here, uh, this is a podcast, a father-son podcast, where we talk everything D&D for players, for DMs, for new people, for experienced people uh, coming to the game.
1: Uh, Mostly just for people who are really awesome at D&D. If you're not super yeah, good... Just get um, out of here. Yeah, I don't we don't know, want why you Why are here. you even listening?
0: No, no. Everyone's welcome to listen to our... our squabblings about all these minute details we find fascinating and we thought we'd bring them from our own private uh, living rooms to the the internet. To yes, the the, the, the World the,
1: Wide Web. The worldwide living room. It's
0: the worldwide living room, yeah. Now everyone can listen everyone to us Everyone
1: gathers together and plays D no one wants to hear us. One but we're saying it anyways. homogenous group of That's right. identical people. You've come back this week. I'm really like, I think where we are on nope. in the internet right now, if I can just say this. All right. Everybody's got a different style of D&D. Yeah.
0: Mm, well, yes, yes, yes. Our style of D&D okay, okay. is not
1: your style of D&D. And so if we do suggest or say things on this podcast and you think, I don't want to do that. You don't have to.
0: That's, yeah. If you think we're rubbish, then that's okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And And, you know, we'll think less of you. But, no, no. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 we won't think, well, we don't think anything of you at all. Cause we don't know you, ow, but ow, that's, that's worse. Well, we don't know you then, but right. we support you in your D and D adventures. Yes. No matter learned, what. If we've learned anything
1: in the D and D world over the last year or so online is that we actually are one family who have more in common than we have difference. And the best thing about D and D is that we all bend it and change it and shape it. Mm-hmm. And so all we're going to do for you today is show you some of our ways that we can shape it mm. and
0: uh, invite you to steal all the stuff that you really like. Yeah, steal everything you like. This is still pretty obscure at this point. So if you pluck something from us, I'm sure your players won't so know that you have. What,
1: what's some of the, the cool stuff we're going to offer up for people to steal today?
0: I think today we wanted to look at the idea. Cause I've heard this sort of up on forums and people ask me this like, well, Sometimes my players want to loot the bodies of things, and they're quite obsessive with that, you know? And it'll be beasts or whatever, I, I or guards or whatever, you know? And We've
1: got one character who's by the, it's not supposed to be a player. Really, he is playing a character who's super greedy, who has, a, like, a massive debt, and he's been wanting to pay off. And
0: so it makes sense. He's in character that he always says, oh, and I loot the body. I check the bodies. I check the bodies. I mm-hmm. check the bodies. And sometimes that can be a little frustrating for the DM if they haven't necessarily... Like, you know, plan that not, or know what to do yeah. in that situation. Does every, so we does maybe every guard on that. that you ever come
1: across have something in his pocket? Does no, every never. forest creature have a treasure hoard?
0: No, maybe not. But does that mean you just say no? Just, just say, say, like, there's nothing, you know, or there's uh, 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 acorns or whatever. But Because isn't, as hmm. a
1: player, one of the coolest things every like, single time yeah. after a fight
0: exactly. is there's a little reward. There's a little, there's a little piece mm-hmm. of candy. Then you're like,
1: oh, I get a treat.
0: And it doesn't have to be magical. It, it could be magical if it's some big, grand, like grand thing, or yeah. kind of makes Bob, sense. Boss like, fights and things usually result in Or if it's something. like some sort of like, I don't want to say the word hag, but that's the monster name. Some yes, sort of the hags. Um, thing I'd in the, like in the woods that have some cursed items in their possession I, that I, could result well, in a magic. Item just mentioned maybe, hag but, since
1: you brought it up. Uh, I also think there should be male versions of the mm-hmm. hag. I don't know what we call them. I don't know if they're called like haggers, Should be hagguses. Yeah, non-binary versions. Non-binary yeah.
0: hags. Um, no gender restriction on the hags. Anyways,
1: yeah, I, I like kind of the idea of um, just generally referring to them as forest witches. Forest witches, but um, not all of them are forest or witches. Hedge, Some of them hedge there's witches. like sea hags I know. and okay. night hags. All right. and- true enough. Um, and then you call them hell witches. And I, I know, and, and I, right. witches is a funny term because it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people, and can, they can be like obviously Glenda Good witches and things out there. And we get into a whole nother sort of issue, but that has been a whole homebrew thing we've been running up. Yeah, like I'd, so I'd like to, to write a playable class of witches for Halloween this year, but we'll see how that goes. Um, but anyways, yes, there should be male hags, and they can be grumpy old buggers who are like. Come out of their like little hut in the forest or wherever, and like get off my lawn, you whippersnappers. They can be like, you know, they can still be a funny, kind of kooky old character, but mm. yeah, still have like spells and things. Anyways, it's 2020. There is no more evil there, well there is no more well you don't evil have to be evil eradicated you don't of, have to be male you. or female you don't have to be exactly. a particular color you're free to do whatever you, you want. You can be whatever you want we're
0: to supportive be. of whatever you want to do uh
1: but yeah, enough as long as we get of, as
0: long as we get to loot your body uh, but, when you're dead yeah, exactly as long as we get to loot your body uh, when you're dead which is what we're going to talk about today and there's and actually a lot of resources out there about this yes if you're a dm right now and
1: are so thinking ah oh, crap i don't i don't want to have to give my players some
0: magic item or say nothing you yeah because
1: like, I mean, if you keep handing out magic items like you know it's the price is right then you know
0: they're gonna lose their value or yeah. maybe you they overpower get the they overpower the characters characters or then you yeah. get the retcon and you weren't planning for that but so, sometimes a magic item could be a fun addition but sometimes it just doesn't make sense for your dire wolf to be holding a vorpal longsword <laughs> where did that come from
1: <laughs> just had it buried under the tree look yeah. at that uh, so the answer to this, our
0: answer to this, is trinkets. Trinkets. Well, it's one of our answers. Uh, there's a lot of resources out there, but one of the simplest ones, as a DM, you might have access to the Player's Handbook, whether through D D Beyond or in physical copy. We have physical copy right here. I don't know how you're but, playing Dungeons and Dragons, but mm, hey, good for you. And how your players are playing that. But there's the beauty of D D. You might not own it in person, but it, it's online there, and you could just look up trinkets on Google, and the PDF shows up for the Player's Handbook, page one sixty through 161 if you're looking for it by page by page number it's also in the index you can look for it there but um all right so i loot the body roll roll the, the d okay. let's what set I the find. scene a little bit let's hit the scene okay. uh, as an intro all right so
1: i've just uh um i'm i'm playing in a ravenloft campaign uh we've just uh stumbled across uh, a villager's house in kretsk they don't usually have anything of real value in there but i just don't want to say the house is empty because that's like dumb uh so it should have something after they ransack it that would they find so let's roll all right. and so this is just straight player handbook so sort of. this is a, <coughs> sorry this is a d100 d100 let's go for it let's see what we got 24. all right 24 is a multicolored stone disc. Now, I'd like to use my inspiration point and
0: re-roll this. I don't know if you can use inspiration to re-roll just anything, but I'll entertain this. Wouldn't
1: it be great, though, in the game if your can. players turn That's to you? Question. Of all the things they could use your inspiration point for, like most players hold their inspiration points. I've got this mm. sort of rule now that... Or like uh, random
0: encounters. Imagine like you are about to roll a random encounter in the player You says, basically, I use inspiration. yeah.
1: You if you gain inspiration during one game, you have to use it before the end of the next session, or it just goes can away. You
0: use, but there's, then there's a so question. It of can on you use you it on whatever on other people's things. Yep. Yeah, I let them transfer. I let them. Can you? Yeah, uh-huh.
1: well, but usually with a pep talk. Like they need to actually. But
0: how do they pep talk the DM? Because you're the good well. One it depends what they're. Trinket, it depends. No? Well, yeah, it depends. Though. Like if or you so you could have my game, the game I played last night,
1: we had one character who had to try and figure out. The mechanics of this uh this ancient contraption to try and make it exp- like set the timer on it to explode, mm. and he rolled really badly. And I went over and then like gave him a back rub and said, it's "Okay, Spike, you can do this. You can do this. Focus. You, I know. I believe in you. I trust in you." And uh, and they got to re-roll again, and he rolled much better. And we didn't actually blow the thing up and kill us all, which was. Kind of a good nice. way to spend an inspiration yeah, point. Yeah. But I'm going to burn it in a really stupid way right now and say multicolored stone disc, don't cut it, DM. Roll me, roll <sighs> me something juicier. 88. 88's got to be juicier. Come on. I'll take an 88. That's All a right, lucky is it, number what does in Chinese. say? It fairly, says okay. a book that tells of the story of a legendary hero's rise and fall with the last chapter missing.
0: That's very Ravenloft-esque, no? Yeah, you could really spend that. It's actually
1: quite good. Very good. Um, yeah, and if you know the game well, you could like you could make it. Uh, you could find a character in it like Markovia, or somebody like that, and uh, you know who is whose name is in the game, but is like come and gone, and you could yeah fill them in a little bit more on the history of them, except the mm. how they died at the hand of Strahd. Yeah kind of leave very that spooky, chapter very out. spooky but and that's it's kind of cool like strad that would have rolled, shown up you know? to rip that chapter out exactly that's exactly the sort of thing he would do mm. yeah oh i love that see that's what part of D D that i love when something random like that isn't just stupid random mm. but you find a way to take a random item like that and bend it into your game the players see that it was random that it was a role and that you as a storyteller can find a way in the moment to wind that into the story. That's moments like that feels super cool. I think both as a player and as a DM, because the story becomes a collective tale, like they've done something and the dice have had agency and like, there's all these things that have happened that work together to, to put another little, create a unique experience, it's put another weird little element into your story and something that's not going to disrupt it in any. Like huge you know, no way. magic way um you know? we've got and another another like we just
0: did if you roll something and you're like ugh, i, I don't know about this you know just re-roll it yeah free uh, there is know, free to exactly. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course yeah. i mean especially on a treasure item list like this if yeah. it doesn't have make any sense and if if you don't want some extravagant like weird esoteric item maybe just put a couple coins in his pocket there's um there's a book i'd like to recommend
1: to our listeners out there it's uh, this is a little bit more of a purchase this, you yeah know, a little bit more uh, out there but. if you're willing to if you want to spend a little money on somebody um it's called table fables a collection of tables for the weary game master by Madeline Hale. Mm. Uh, I love this this collection. It's yeah. So many beautiful ta- tables with little drawings in between it. It's a paper product. Um, I roll on these. I like lot. these a lot. It, it's got sometimes. oh, there stuff in here radiant. like so you know. Unique. Have you ever been in one of those situations where they for whatever reason you thought oh I'll just well, put a, a random guard lead. in here or yeah and they're like oh, what's the guard's name and you're like oh crap there's a D100 list here of names pretty awesome roll one for me uh sixteen. Uh, that's Davis that you've just met. Davis? Yeah. Alright, What's his buddy and, next to him? Who's roll, that buddy roll, next Actually, roll a D12 to go oh, for okay. Davis. Right? Seven. Uh, Davis the aged. So right there that gives us a little bit yeah, more. So he's a, maybe he's a little bit old, old. He's a bit yeah. older character i love that so simple like and then there's there is other things here for character background stuff you run to start to really generate an npc on the fly mm-hmm. it's got stuff but back to raiding the bodies of that of davis the agent who we just murder hoboed right um poor davis we barely got to know him and there's a, a d20 pocket filler oh. list here which i quite like a pocket filler rather than even a treasure on the thing it's like all right i go through his pockets what do i find it's a 10 uh okay now roll another d10 for me One. Uh, yeah, okay. The only thing you find in his pocket is one loose button. It doesn't Six seem to match button. anything
0: on his clothes. Huh. Interesting. Perhaps he's a button collector. <laughs> but he just found it on the floor and picked it up and put it in his pocket. But you see you say, hmm, interesting. It is like one
1: of those moments of like, there's like a pause and a curiosity. And as a, as a player, you're sort of like, okay, well, that was just randomly generated. So it doesn't mean anything. Or, or was it? So randomly
0: generated. things. is now the DM things. tying this into the story. And so exactly. now you get up to the royal throne room and, the, <laughs> and the king isn't responding to anyone because his favorite code is missing a button. <laughs> it won't come together. And you go to the, the weaver and say, we found this. This is perfect, you know. <laughs> exactly. And you save
1: the kingdom. Well done. It's it's little callbacks like that if you can remember
0: these things as that you will, sort of hand them out. That will, I think, stick with players. And it stuck with me in many of my games in small random things like that end up becoming some grand story element not even grand necessarily but some unique thing that pays off down the road even as insignificant as a single loose button in a guard's pocket yeah i think i think and we we
1: mentioned this a while ago in an episode where we said there was no such thing as a random encounter Mm. because everything in your game as a dm even if you do roll on a table to bring it into the game you should be understanding your campaign setting so well and the story that that's unfolding uh, and the story that's the bigger story around it that you can tie something as simple as a button or a book about a fallen hero into back into your story in a meaningful way, in some way that the players, um, it, it it enriches their experience. So rather than, you know, they've just got this preordained stuff that's written on the page of some you know uh, module that you're running instead it becomes a little bit more organic a little bit something that all of you together are building on the Mm -hmm. fly exactly improv
0: and if you don't want if you can't really order uh, a physical copy of that book there are other online resources for more sort of absolutely unique options like i think there's series out there like things like i loot the blank you know and things like that there's i I know on pinterest i've I've got
1: a bunch bunch of pins yeah very specific like looting of various races monsters and monsters and, and bodies and you and things. can roll on that
0: especially when uh, you know there's going to be an encounter like that and that your players often do that or you can start to encourage your players to do that more to introduce unique story elements in that way right. you know i've got i've got
1: a few lists uh for curse of strahd of trinkets and uh sort of curious items mm-hmm. that
0: people can find along the way Think about maybe the implications in some cases about what taking those items means. Like, is there some sort of curse or spell placed upon them where they can locate the object? Is it precious? You know, where a mage has now lost his, um, uh, I don't know. Or maybe there's even a bard who's lost his favorite music sheets. And so he casts locate object. And suddenly he's found that you're heading off with them. And there's an encounter there, you know, or some sort of confrontation, you know. Just think about maybe what that could mean for an encounter down the road uh like is there a clairvoyance or some sort of scry thing set on that object or a unique thing there is an alarm and it sets off things and the players try to pick it up or interact with it you know or is it some sort of weird snare trap or glyph of warding that ends up exploding the party you know or you know just fun ways to tpk the whole session you know but just something to consider so that it's not just a standalone thing and this isn't like like we said not everything has to be magical or have something like that but even thinking about that how that the implication of taking something like that and looting in a game could be a negative or positive down the road you know yeah
1: well the stuff for the curse of Strahd, while it doesn't it may it may have small magical effects that tend to be creepy rather than anything that off nerfs the character. Mm. So that's another way to sort of play it as well. You can do stuff that adds atmosphere, that layers in the, you know, where are we? This place is, this place is giving me the serious creeps. Um, build that sort of feeling. Uh, well, if you're doing Curse of Strahd or whatever feeling your campaign setting has through the the items and things, the little things that you're going to f- dig up in people's bodies or in their shelves or drawers or under their beds or wherever it is your players go looking for people's stuff. Mm.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and I think another example maybe with Curse of Strahd is the sort of idea of curses. Yeah. And I don't want to necessarily spoil some of the more um, lupine <laughs> Ones, but um well yeah okay. i think there's like things like the vistani curses sure. for slights and stealing objects Vistan- and i don't know I, I don't want to get to the, the vis- to the werewolf stuff but all right all right but not werewolf
1: stuff but vistani are a particularly interesting uh group and and i know you and i had this a uh, chattel the other day about wouldn't it be interesting if we made a variant human or a human sub race if you will of mm. for, for vistani that was playable one yeah um, and I think, you know, a lot of what's going on in Curse of Strahd right now at the highest levels in d d is that they've been trying to retcon and rewrite. And certainly it's changed on d and Beyond and they say they're going to change it in future printings of Curse of Strahd to make the Vistani seem less like overtly sort of evil, less of constantly being drunk, less of constantly sort of being thieves that while they're. They certainly have elements of that within their groups, uh, partly because that's how they survive. Uh, they're they're a mixed bunch of people, uh, some of whom are very nice. And as I'm playing Arvestani in, in my Stride campaign, I portray them that way. That they're they're generally fun loving. They don't rip the players off, particularly more than anybody else does. Mm. Um, that. They uh, they're actually a wealth of information, but if you cross them, they have a particular curses, they yeah. have a particular talent for laying. And again, these aren't necessarily big curses that are going they're to small. to nerf your character. Yeah. But there, one of our players got uh, he crossed a Vistani woman, and she uh, it wasn't like a big deal. Like he just given her. These uh, teeth that they'd got from what they thought was a werewolf. They'd actually only killed a um, jackal. Jackalware, yeah. Which is like a CR1 half creature. And a werewolf's like a CR3. And these were first level characters. So they thought they were all pretty badass. Taking down the jackalware. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Werewolves are no big deal. We got this. We're going to like clean out all the werewolves. And then, of course, they made this little bracelet out of these things and he gave it to this woman and uh, she was showing it off to her Vistani friends who started laughing at her because she thought it was werewolf teeth and they like all like the elders kind of recognized it as something else and so she storms back over and throws the bracelet back at him and then utters a curse that makes his teeth all janky and sticking out in funny weird directions it doesn't actually it hasn't even nerfed his charisma or anything he's a very sort of charming warlock um but it's given him bad teeth And he can get it fixed with a remove curse spell if like, you, you know, wants to pay for one down the line. There's places where or that can. Or the catchers end up learning remove or, curse. And, and, or the Vistana, uh, she decides to say, hey, uh, you're no longer cursed. And of course, at which point she takes some psychic damage. There's a downside for the Vistana. Hmm. Every time they, they place a, a curse on somebody, they, uh, depending on how bad the curse is, they take a bit of psychic damage. The ones that do start mm. to nerf your characters, ones that actually have real effects, can be Yeah, a little bad. You know, like a couple or a few D six worth of damage to them once that curse ends. Mm. So they gotta be a bit careful how they deal them out. Yeah. But wouldn't that be cool to have a player who could do that?
0: Yeah, I'd I'd love to. I think I would put restrictions rather than just going curse, 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 you know, that um it has a timer to it Mm. a little bit and so there is you're gonna rather than just be like oh someday he'll remove curse it like it's like okay i yeah i'm gonna feel this later you know like for doing this regardless and nerfing that a little bit i think also that you can't just try to curse something try to curse something try to curse something until it works rather just like oh i tried to curse it and it didn't work you know and they're okay now and i didn't take the damage you know but off of, wait a little while before I can curse them again just so that you're not slinging curses left and right yeah but it, I, I like the idea again though that but there's a punishment for it sure. yeah, there's a drawback
1: But and, and like the trinkets that sometimes we can deliver things to our players that are both like they're just minor bad things or minor good things in the case of a trinket mm-hmm. or minus bad things for, for curses minor is okay minor can add to storytelling flavor without mm-hmm. anybody feeling ugh really bummed about Things it just can be part of the, part of the atmosphere generator. Mm, rather absolutely, than, yeah. Uh, a major plot hook, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think the Vistani is, are mostly are that during that in that campaign. Anyways, they're there you bump into them all the time. They're sort of in the background, but mm. uh, they they're always on the move. Vistani have to sort of keep moving. Uh, although, truth is, I don't know if that's totally canon in the current Curse of Strahd. I I draw on that from older editions of them. I'm not sure it's written actually in Curse of Straw that they have to keep moving, but I would make that part of, if I was to make a sub race of them as well, that there's something that they have to. And again, maybe this isn't like, they don't actually take damage or anything, but it's just sort of like sort of ugh, saying that, yeah, yeah. They, they always have a desire to sort of, to be nomadic, to keep moving.
0: It's part of be the a level of constant level of exhaustion. Maybe if you stay in one place too long, or I don't think it like continues to like just go up, but it's like, they're always treated as, Having one I, so, or two yeah, levels of exhaustion, I maybe I would just like again. I just
1: make it one of these sort of more minor sort of things that the no, 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 okay. that they're irritated sure. by. If they so, if a player wants to like be a Vistana that settles down, they can. Um, mm. There is a fixed Vistana Vistani camp in uh, Curse of Strahd as well with the Dusk Elves, so they don't always move. I guess some mm. of them stay in one place, or yeah. maybe that's just a
0: The camp's permanent but the those who stay there come and go i don't know who knows
1: yeah
0: i think it's an interesting concept to try and get those that have real life aspects of people moving and like try and push it like give like the like dms the incentive to bring life to these groups because they do they need to move you know and so now there's a canonical reason why they're nomadic groups of people rather than just because they are you know for just the way their culture is you know which can be hard to implement into gameplay styles and can many people just infer that oh they just have their own civilization here you know, but many times there are people just moving about you know, large groups of people, that, up and go you know with all their stuff, and I think mm, maybe I, I I think that's where I'll leave it you know I have my own ideas for that to uh, implement that into campaign settings outside of the uh, Ravenloft realms <laughs> but mm, you've you've done a lot of you've, you've it's been a lot of Ravenloft out of you the past couple of weeks. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, DMing it. Um, when you DM or at least for me, they, the thing is that I like making it my own, but don't want to homebrew everything. And so there's a lot of resources online. Uh, there's a lot of, of really, really beautiful put together pieces that I've been sort of weaving into the campaign layering stuff in so yeah i guess my head's been stuck into a lot of curse of strahd stuff but i've been a long time fan i've i've loved that setting for a very long time so uh having a summer campaign where we're playing with a group every week is super exciting Mm -hmm. uh to do that with
0: it's very exciting i suppose i have a question for you i haven't dm'd in quite some time i'm hoping to get back to that um my friends and i have sort of devised a a bit of a not necessarily a schedule but a system where we can all get a chance at dming and trying out new settings and being sort of creative with the way that our campaigns or one shots if you will sort of end up working but uh, how much do you experience metagaming in your in your day-to-day not your day-to-day but in your sessions yeah uh, so like the campaign um
1: i played last night just the homebrew one we're currently a bunch of low-level characters Often in another realm of existence. I don't want, maybe don't call out a specific player, but. but. No, 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 it's me more than anybody. Our um, DMs really, I mean, he's, he's quite kind when it comes to, there's quite a few new players at the table, but he's very insistent. And I quite like it that new players get to make their own mistakes. And that the more experienced players at the table just shut up and let them make their own choices, right? don't be telling them what to do. Don't be telling them, you know, even if you're basically trying to share the best tactics for the party, he really does want it to be more of a, just a, you know, let the noobs make noob mistakes sort of vibe. And I'm like, okay, that's, you know, for the most part, that's kind of cool. And so like at a table, like one of ours during the fight, um, as our druid was moving her bear, uh, mini, up into the fight, I'm like, you know, remember to move around the other side. And the DM was like, let her go wherever she wants to go. And I'm like, okay. And then of course she like, she tweaked your members like, oh yeah, flanking's a thing, right? And so she moved into that position. And So I kind of nudged that way. Maybe I should have just said, you know, just the whispered the word flanking or something. I don't know. Or maybe just, um, maybe just let her figure
0: it out or just yeah, not do that, you know, sure. and just have an experience I, where...
1: And so so that's a, a pretty high level of not letting more experienced players meta game with the lesser ones. Now, there's definitely times he lets us all sit back and talk through a scenario and figure out what we want to do. Um, in my Curse of Strahd one as a DM, I've got lots of new players in there. Uh, three of the five are new. And they they break out of character and just want to ask questions about, you know, rules and how we can do this and what can be done and things like that. And I'm totally fine with that. I'm okay with, you know, they, they're definitely keen to learn. They want to know how these things work. And we've got, you know, three of us in the game who understand it quite well. So we're happy to, to give them, explain to them options and sort of, let them know. But again, I guess I'm the same way. Like metagaming. I'm okay with people like explaining stuff to people, but you need to just play your own character. Hmm. You need to be very careful not to want to run other people's characters at the table. And, and I speak to this, like as somebody who hand on heart, God, there's so many times I just want to play everybody's character. I am the worst which is what makes make me a better DM yeah. to be honest I think that's
0: honestly why we need to sometimes have talks together about playing D&D and sometimes I feel like it's not just like a one way thing because there are times where I'm like alright I remind you to cool your jets a little bit or
1: well yeah I mean there's times as a DM when I was putting the Curse of Strahd one together and I was saying okay these are all yeah, like these yeah. are the 27 different ways I want to use the Taroka deck and you're like uh, maybe just choose one of those
0: Yeah, maybe just yeah, their new players spare them. You know? Yeah, I'm like, ah, oh, you're right.
1: It's too many things. Um, yeah, I, I definitely get super excited. Um, and I know when I start, like, when I start a new game, a new campaign, and I am sort of seeing all our characters, and I really want
0: to our, help everyone. Well, I optimize. really want us
1: to get our like our like combo moves mm. together in some way. But again, I don't want a metagame at the table. I want it to sort of form through our own character interactions and discussions. And so I got to slow down and instead of breaking out of character to say what you should do, I try to find ways in, in character. character. Yeah, it's very smart. And sometimes post-fight if things went wrong to try and find a minute that we can talk in character between each other about, you know, what happened and, you know, how. And and then try to actually have the characters themselves agree on how they can work better together. And again, to try and compliment each other and say, Hey, I really like how you do that thing. Um, I'm really good at doing this thing. Like let's, let's try and do that together. And we even had at one point in one campaign where we had some downtime and, uh, the DM actually let us do like a little training session where we actually tried to work out a few combo moves of things we could try and do together and actually sat and, probably spent 20 minutes at the table actively talking through ways we could fight better together mm. um because that was something we never d- didn't have time to do even away from the table or anything so it was really great to have a chance to to put that sort of thing together so i don't know metagaming is a it's it's not a one size fits all you've got to sort of uh you gotta sort of let it go i suppose at some point but it's best I think as a player though I mean as if you want to be a really seen as a really good player at the table if you know what the monster is your character doesn't so you don't say anything if you have heard other parts of the character's stories and you don't really know your character doesn't know then you don't know and it's really up to you to role play the ignorance to role play Mm. what you don't know and don't metagame those things
0: um I feel like as much as we sometimes rag on the ranger class, you know, and kind of be like, blah, 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 about it. I think in some ways I've I've seen players that I sort of know that know a little bit more about certain monsters use it as an excuse to be like, know all the stuff about them. like, well, okay. Well, my, my favorite enemy is dragon, so I know that they are they have a sturdy amount of 209 hit points or however they might have or <laughs> they, things like they that. They just get and, the monster manual open and they're just like reading it. I'm like, it. Mm, okay. Even if you are a specialist in that specific type of monster, you might not understand like all these certain things. I I
1: think, well, this is another thing. I try to think that players in character should really avoid talking about mechanics Mm. in character. Yeah. And even out of character should keep them the, the chat about mechanics to a like absolute minimum. Um, you know the you can't help with a new group of people. You'll often see players who are like, "Okay, who's got the best
0: AC who's or got the best persuasion? Who, yeah, which person's yeah. got the best this?" and and I guess that's okay to like. I think in some cases, like asking like like who has the best persuasion is maybe just a, a rough way to put it. And I think a good example is with critical roles. Like, I make an insight check, you know, saying, like maybe instead say, "Hmm, I don't necessarily believe. Do I believe what he's saying?" like framing it like that. Yeah. Um, and there are some cases where I think you can suggest certain players to go up, like when the king says, uh, speak to me about this sort of thing, right, that, and the person, like, they'll try and coordinate who has the best charisma to try and speak with the king. And I can see in a situation that can make sense. If but he... when someone's like, um, like they enter a room, make a perception check, oh, let's find the person with the best perception. Like, no, you're the one who entered the room. You're yeah. the one making the perception check. And I think once you've played together
1: for a while, hopefully, especially if you've played together regularly, Um, hopefully if you're using something like D&D Beyond, you can spend a bit of time looking at each other's character sheet. Mm. So that out of game, you know that... uh, you know, who's got the best stealth, who's got the perception, best perception, who's got best persuasion, that you've played enough and you've seen each of the players and their characters, the PCs doing the things. And you're like, okay, so in character now, my character has spent enough time with these people to recognize that character X is really stealthy. And so we can recommend that, all right, you're a scout, go ahead and... Mm check out ahead for I think, us
0: but like that's easy to say with like longer campaigns and i'm sort of a part of the teenage era where campaigns last maybe two or three sessions but kind of like fizzling out for a couple months or forever right and we typically jump from idea to idea from one shot to one shot yeah uh, with new characters every time you know and so forming those ideas is kind of challenging most of them are pvp so we don't really need to uh for some for some reason nowadays i wish we'd play more non-pvp battles as interesting well, as they can be sometimes like pick it's one not,
1: monster and put it on the yeah, board and say okay the, this this thursday coming thursday we are fighting and i don't know, pick a dragon put something big on the board and just say okay yeah, everybody build a character that can build fight a dragon mm. your ranger shows up again
0: yeah well i mean they're not better at fighting them that's for sure they're just better at understanding <laughs> recalling information about them I know and know them. i know what his ac is i think he moved five feet that direction all right you know not very helpful but um yeah, I just I think the way I would do it is like there's sometimes in a thing where we'll say they like, describe your character, and people will just be like, "Um, I'm an ASMR rogue, right?" He's blue. Well, that's even better than some people do. <laughs> you know, like some people like won't give a physical description. There won't be any sort of idea of who what they act like, what their specialties are, or things like that. And so I'm not, I'm sometimes a a, a a criminal of this. What do you say? A victim? Yeah. What's I don't know. Perpetrator, perpetrator uh, of this rule as well but um i find that maybe especially when you're sort of first come to the table and describe your characters the way that i want to be able to do it is like um you see blah blah blah, 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 blah approach and you don't have to be some all sort of crazy like the lights dim in the room as he enters like the guitar riff you know or whatever right but um It could be just like, oh, you see someone enter with long blonde hair, you know, uh, and a a cocky grin on his face. You know, you see he's... one gold tooth. Yeah. That goes, ting, every time he smiles. Cool. Yeah, that's great. That's amazing. And I think there's tables out there if you want those unique things for you as well, you know. Just make them up. Or make them up if you've got a good imagination like my father here. But, um... Also, then being say you say uh, you can see he's enthralling uh, with his performance on the top of a table, a bunch of people around him, and you get a, a general vibe that he's good at uh, persuading people and maybe even telling lies sometimes. You know, you see there's a little bit of uh, deceptiveness in his eyes or things like that. You know, um, just as a way to like hint to the players that hey, I'm good at this stuff. And, hey, I have an instrument, and I'm charismatic, and I'm cocky. Maybe I'm a specific class that's saying, yeah, I'm just a, a human bard. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe one or of the first things you do when you them.
1: introduce yourself to everybody is you, um, you present a boastful backstory. Mm. Uh, I mean, already we know that a lot of beginner players overwrite their backstories. It's just okay. Or underwrite. Overwrite and underwrite. Both exist and, <laughs> and both are okay. And sometimes I'm sometimes. like, all right, well, that's the backstory that you've just overwritten, that's your dream backstory. It's maybe not quite as good as the actual story, but that's the one you tell people. And that's cool as long as, you know, your uh, you know, persuasion or deception uh exceeds their insight. wisdom or insight. Um, yeah. Um and yeah, maybe maybe the first thing you do as a character is you do present your like boastful story, and then everybody <laughs> makes a, a check, and then you could people can gauge straight off of that just how good you are at lying, mm. um, and how much you
0: feel you need to lie. Yeah, as a, that's, that's a that's deeper level, would. though. That's with people who are are willing to gain insights into other characters, and but this is just, not a fault that's of that's other people that's that's I play for, with. But.
1: That's for people who are willing to spend their first three hour session or one of their first three hour sessions just meeting each of the characters mm. um i find
0: that a lot of my friends don't have time for that no. especially if it's a one shot you know so we just say uh this is a human rogue uh yeah who's, sure. who's the person next to you uh you see uh, it's um an ASMR or whatever right you know and so we just go around the table saying our class race you know but i, I kind of want to change that And make it something, you know, more unique. And this is a problem I have as well, is that I see also with my friends, is that we typically don't start to care about other people's characters. And I feel I'm in some ways forced to, not forced to, but um, when it comes to statistics and choosing things and like, um, what stat should I go for if I'm making a cleric? And this is a completely fine question. Uh, Wisdom, if you're wondering. And then maybe dexterity constitution, if you want a little bit more beefiness or a bit more AC uh, and then, or initiative, if you want dexterity as well. Um, and if you want to be a little bit more persuasive and and calming down people, and insightful and wise, then maybe pick up a little bit of charisma. You know, and be a little bit more of that religious side of things as well, you, or intelligence and pick up religion as well. you just
1: made me want to like be the most intelligent cleric ever and make
0: wisdom my dump stat. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Make wisdom your dumb stat. Pick That's spells that idea. don't have a safety. Is there, we Did yeah. it with a warlock. Why what, can't we do it
1: with a cleric? Yeah. I don't know. I've I've never looked at just. Doing cleric buff spells, so much of cleric stuff is save based. So well, there are a lot of buff spells a, for clerics. You've got a crap In terms of support, they less buffy, but there's still a lot of buffy. Maybe. Buffiness. To
0: I mean healing doesn't require anything. I mean That's true, yeah. He, well no, some does require spell casting ability modifiers well tacked onto it. Yeah. But so you wouldn't want to get a general, minus one to all your cure like wounds, you, you just, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, you've gone over to cure somebody's wounds and you're getting like a zero, mm, uh, a or you have line. negative
0: two wisdom or something like that. Do you, you like roll it, a one you and like, you actually harm them you by like trying take, to heal them? You're
1: taking more
0: life from them. Oh you like you try to like patch them with magic, but you just kind of you're a little intrusive and it just kind of like makes it, the injury hurt a little bit more. And like, oh, those soothing salts ended up just being salting the wound or things like that. I I, know, I still funny, love my
1: barbarian healer. She after every fight can patch up everybody in the fight without mm. anybody having to burn s- precious spell slots
0: yeah and I'm, shout out to this this thing I've seen online this um, savant class homebrew on r slash which I think is brilliant I mean there's some odd writing errors in just terms like the way it's language but that's inevitable I have them all the time you know it's not a big thing but is very well written very 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 well written like all the names and the way it's balanced like the consideration going into it and the subclasses and making it stand out from other sort of you un- like things well, as I well well introducing the, I suppose it also has an element of meta, um, metagaming a little bit without making it feel unnatural because there are things like where you're uh, you can Gain insights into an enemy you're fighting and the naturalist subclass may be able to uh, understand what kind of creature type it is you know which is a meta information about a monster but still kind of makes sense for a naturalist to understand Uh, a philosopher can uh, understand uh, a creature's alignment by hearing it talk and things like that right it's a pretty advanced class idea in a way though
1: because it's such a support Hmm. character yeah where, well it's
0: not even a healing support well i mean there is it's the support class, yeah
1: in knowledge base it's exactly. it's uh exploration and role play exactly, exactly. uh we and it lacks a fair bit in combat mm-hmm. but and and if you've got a big party if you've got a party if you're playing a big table like six or seven um that would be something i would maybe especially if they're more experienced players you take to the dm and say okay look I'm not gonna be able to build my character on D&D Beyond. Here's the it, the class. It sits on Reddit. People have stress tested it. It's pretty damn good, but we're gonna to have to do this the old fashioned way. We're gonna have to make this a paper character. you cool with that. And again, if you've got experienced DM and they can have a look at it, they'll immediately see that, yeah, that's cool. You could go that way with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I as a DM love the idea of having a player at the table who's, who's all about the, the conversations and the, you know, figuring out clues and doing all that. And, and yeah, when it comes then to hitting things with sharp pokey objects, they, they do things like take the help action or dodge actions. Like there's other ways in combat that you mm-hmm. can, you know,
0: provide support that it has a couple of combat options as well, you know, dropping not to be damage bombs like gaining it's it's a little bit like the insightful fighting feature you'll find from the inquisitive rogue but a little bit more expanded upon where you can mark a creature and gain certain information against it you know which is expanded upon with each subclass like i described a little bit but things like the physician get sort of more limited healing abilities and things like that to prevent you know think players from taking too much damage but not just being like your cure wounds sort of type person while getting also some very useful proficiencies and then there's tacticians which can order people to make attacks and things like that. And so you can have more of a combat role that way. And rather than making the attacks yourself, give your allies extra attacks and maneuvering and things like that, that uh, help them in the battlefield in certain ways. And I think it's a very unique, you know, lots of great subclass ups, great image integration. For
1: somebody like myself who wants to yell out to other players, like where to go and what to do. Um,
0: That's super great. Mm. Uh, I recommend checking it out, you know, leaving a comment if you disagree with some of the stuff down there and not taking our word for everything, but at least giving it a, a look, you know. And if your, player, if your DM doesn't allow it, I don't blame him, him or her or them. But, um, yeah, it's something to consider. I, I think I would love to play something like that, maybe if we have one of our own little things down the road or if a DM allows me, which I doubt, but we'll see. Just a fun idea. I like I like the way it was written quite a bit. Is there an overarching theme to what we've been talking about today? I think so. It's been a little bit of a shorter episode than we typically do, but still 40, 45 minutes is a pretty good episode. So what
1: no? would you sort of say this arc of conversation? I mean, we, we started off
0: talking about... We talked about trinkets. We talked about metagaming. And we've talked a little bit about homebrew and introducing things to your DM a little bit. I mean, that went a little bit off topic. This is, but...
1: So a lot of this is... And we talked a bit about what it would be like to do a Vistani sub... Uh, sub race like this stuff is all about flavor isn't yeah. it it's all about trying to and your, your own frustrations lately about playing one shots that lack that sort of extra story element flavor and mm. um, and so yeah I guess if there's a takeaway from today we're sort of saying that you know D&D is better with flavor it's more than just combat It's I, I like the game more the more that we weave these little things in, how we tie random story yeah, events modular in, additions. that we make stuff that
0: yeah, we, we putting in classes exactly. and putting in sub races Finding and introducing interesting trinkets and modules and books and you've bought off of the internet on, and making whatever. it your
1: own, yeah, making exactly. it exactly into something that is- And not is just, yeah, but more than just
0: making it at your own, you know, because you can come up with all that stuff yourself, which yeah, can be challenging. But also, just take inspiration from all the tools that are available in the world yeah. and putting them together to create a new unique experience for your players. Yeah, it's, you know, uh,
1: all these things add to the story. It makes the, the that experience, that shared story that much more unique that, you know, you'll never You'll never have made that story up like by yourself. Absolutely. It's, it's a collective effort. And uh you, you'll never be able to retell the same story twice. Yeah. It's very uh, true. Very good. Very so true. yeah, get out there, find flavor. Uh, whatever you do, just don't play boring D and D.
0: If you want a metagame, play a Ranger.
1: Yeah, don't don't play don't play metagaming boring D and D. That's our message. Mm or if you do you're doing it wrong
0: no no if you're well you're always doing it wrong but um try to try to integrate metagaming into a way where it's not taking you out of the game but instead creating new avenues for you to explore your own character and what they understand and taking that into consideration and, and learning how to communicate certain ideas within D in character rather than out of character you know, rather than saying, mm, "I think that we can like looking at this page here. We can move about five miles within eight hours using this speed." Blah blah blah. Meaning like, "Hmm, um, like, oh, I'm feeling the horses today." You know, I, I just gave them a, a good good feeding. Uh, you know, and yes. I've been looking at maps and things like that. And I'm not sure, like and horses should be like able that, to make twenty miles today. No problem. We'll- be able to make around 20 25 mile we'll see today you know hopefully we can make it we may need to take a rest and things like that and rather than being like exactly like well if you look on page 137 of the blank by blah, 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 you know which we are very guilty of you know we I I, I I flip to certain pages and even this episode we're like just cool stuff on these pages you know but rather I can than hold just
1: hold my breath for one yeah. minute plus my constitution modifier <laughs> where instead you can say I've practiced holding my breath many of time yeah. under cold water.
0: I think everyone can get to like really holding the breath long. I think that's a dumb I once, metric. I
1: once held it for 4 minutes. I want to
0: roll I want to keep I want to make my own breathing metric cuz people I've seen like actors and whatnot like they just say like oh yeah I trained for a couple months and now I can hold my breath for 5 minutes. No, no issue, 10 minutes. Yeah,
1: I, this comes back to a flavor thing again. Um, Just a proficiency. Do underwater you want, breathing is a proficiency. Want, yeah. uh, breathing. <laughs> Just suddenly you can breathe underwater. Exactly. But yeah, the idea of... um The skill. idea of like, could you do minor talents that if uh, a player trained for a period of time that they could get better at particular things mm-hmm. in the game? And I could think you also dash, the looks at that. Could you like say dash, which is limited in a chase scenario to um, three dashes plus your constitution modifier before you have to start making, and I think um, that's ignored.
0: I think people just dash, 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 well, but I think,
1: but I think some dash scenarios are okay, but in the chase one, it's set up that way so that those involved in a chase with the highest constitution can outpace those with lower constitution, constitution being a measure Why of is your speed endurance. so
0: flat? Why is, jumping has got all these crazy mechanics. Why is speed always 30 feet or 25 feet if you're shorter oh, or diff- 25 oh, feet if you're wearing because heavy the, in armor? The, in the days,
1: there's, you need a simplicity to keep things on the table. Then why
0: can't jumping be simple? Why can't yeah, because all he, that be simple? He, well, why isn't that tied to my scores? All good questions. <laughs> all good questions. Jumping's not that complicated. Well, I, every time I want to do it, I have to look up this website jump calculator and what's my height and what's my strength score and do you, I have any you, of these subclass editions am I being affected should, by this magic item notes do I have the on your
1: character sheet so that you don't have to look it up every time it's true Everybody but how should, often are you jumping
0: well that's just it I mean yeah, are true. you somebody with a
1: jump spell you should very, know very this true. thing
0: yeah you should learn how to manipulate the 3d on the battlefield that's yeah. a whole other discussion and here's yeah another pro that's tip that we're going to sign
1: off with tonight if you have particular skills uh, it could be anything Playboy. from thieves tools to healing kits to jumping to whatever write it down on your character sheet because mm. i know from session to session it's easy to forget but if you have that written down so that oh i don't have to look it up every damn
0: time you do the whole table a massive service put on you your immediately notes exactly how far it is. beyond yeah you no know, go to the notes section click on other or click on whatever and just start writing all that campaign information if you're the campaign information collector or or, or the your own information or you could have another little notebook yeah or your own little notebook they've got cool stuff on critroll.shop depending (laughs) on where you live yes cobalt soldier shout out out to
1: all the other critters out there hooray it's thursday again it's thursday Uh, is it thursday yet (laughs) at least there are thursdays again Mm. It's nice uh so yeah that's a good thing hooray for that um yeah if you're out there and you're thinking what am i going to do while i wait for critical role to come on the air uh, our a podcast hours beforehand our podcast is usually out before uh crit roll yeah. so if you so want to
0: check us out to get hyped
1: if want, for some d and you want to get your brain yeah. into d and d mode before the mighty nine throw down uh not that we're piggybacking on them like you know they're them they do them we do us um Why don't but you check them
0: out send them uh, yeah. some love give them some uh, support
1: yeah, and if you haven't ever watched Critical Role before, check um, out. Now's a great time to jump yeah, in. There's jump lots of in. ways to get up to date on that. Lots of stuff and, there. Uh, yeah, it's a and they are they are great flavor players. So back to if there's a thing behind this uh, episode about trying to find more flavor, watch how they do it. Mm. They, they they're so a, good at flavor. They're they, the masters
0: of flavor. They're like D and D chefs.
1: They yeah. Well, I mean, they have had chefs? Oh, chefs. They, They'll they'll spend just a half an hour or more going through their nightly watches just chit-chatting with each other yeah.
0: or um, making some odd joke in game you know that yeah. is going on for what feels like half an hour
1: well in fact i miss their nightly watches where they sit and chit-chat yeah. we haven't had much of that lately but well i say lately that we've had one episode
0: in one the episode last, like now we can say there's over years. two 100 long like episode seasons seasons yeah so that span over 100 episodes so, anyways, join in. Traveler time is in. coming. Yeah, it's coming, and there's weird werewolves and volcanoes and all sorts of crazy love, stuff. Love,
1: I love werewolves. Werewolves. Werewolves are so
0: amazing. Maybe we'll talk about were transformation some episode. Yeah, sounds so
1: like let's fun. Let's play. Let's play werewolves. Let's
0: play a Yeah, let's make a playable race or a playable class. There's plenty of. It's there's, there's so much stuff out there. there. You could play a shifter from Eberron, maybe. That's an idea. You, good path of the beast from our new or not art, but the the new ua stuff there are there are definitely already a lot blood hunter cool things
1: yes speaking about critical role <laughs> yeah, there's another class from that game there you um go. yeah
0: it would be great if all of us could uh add new classes to or just like D&D maybe beyond. make it something separate. Like, you know how those epic boons and stuff, which I recommend reading about in the DMG. That's some cool stuff to give to your players yeah, when you're super high level. Boons, but,
1: boons like uh, are such a, a great treasure. Mm. Like just give people like the keys to kingdoms. Like well, not the whole kingdom, but the king. The key to a town. Like give them special status. Give them things that are non-magical, but are like you know. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Like, like now, anytime you get to a blacksmith shop, you flash a little like badge, yeah. and you can use their forge for
0: free boom like downtime taken care of or like you could now have access to this wide array of like registered and trademarked magic circles in this one brand um uh, funnily enough in on the sword coast
1: there is a uh network um called the black network which sort of cover operation for uh, another group of of uh, assassins but it's more of like a, a like a not completely black market despite its name it's actually kind of widely known and i always treat the i treat the black network as like the amazon um, amazon.com of the of the Sorcos because they basically have all these different things and like they deliver stuff they don't have obviously have a website or whatever but you can go to your like local black network office in almost any town and you can like order something
0: and it'll like it'll eventually get there that's great that's um, cool Yeah. Well, maybe mundane items more than, I want a bag of holding.
1: Yeah. Not so much. Yeah. Well.
0: Or maybe it's someone claiming it's a bag of holding, but in reality, Um, you should read the reviews first. Yeah. Uh, Maybe it's more eBay than
1: Amazon. (laughs) Anyways. uh, Wish. Anyways, make things, make things your
0: own in the game. That's right. Add a little flavor. Take charge of them.
1: Have some fun with it.
0: Uh, Be a and d gourmet chef. Yeah. Once in a while, some sprinkle flavor. some things in like these trinkets or homebrew or whatever you want. Yeah, spice it up. Spice and that's up. our message this week. I have been Jack O'Way and I am the flavor dragon, Jay. Flavor dragon, that could, that could be all sorts of colors. Flavor dragon. Flavor dragon. He sprays spice, spice as breath. His breath, breath <laughs> Makes people like sneeze and like <sighs> like pepper like <sighs> kind of cough up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and we wish you
1: happy gaming. We wish you a Merry Christmas. May oh, all, all right. your roles be in right. 20s. Bye.
0: Bye.